Welcome to On the Issues with your host, Kaylin Preston. Yay! Today we're going to be talking about lessons learned in books. I recently finished The Book of Negroes by Lawrence Hill, which is a book I would 100% recommend. The book is about a young girl named Aminata, who was taken from her home in Africa and taken all around the world as a slave. She tries everything she can to get her kids back, to see her husband again, but most of all, she just wants to return to her hometown. The book had a very important message that stood out to me. And that message was, no matter what obstacles you face, stay true to yourself. Now, that can be a hard thing to do, especially in today's times. We have a lot of obstacles we face, and sometimes we let certain things get the best of us. A way you can think of this lesson, or I tend to think of it, is think you're driving a car, and all of a sudden something like a deer jumps out, or there's traffic or something. You're not going to let that deer hit your car. You're not going to let traffic get the best of you to the point you're road raging. You're going to do what you can to avoid it in a sense. Like, if this deer jumps in front of you, you're either going to have to stop if nobody's behind you, or you're going to have to go around it because you can't keep driving straight at it, or you're going to let the deer win. The deer, in a sense, is an obstacle. It's getting you upset. It's making you lose yourself. It's no different than you're in driving on the 407, and all of a sudden there's traffic. Like, you're not going to let that traffic ruin your day. You're not going to let that traffic turn you into an angry monster. You're going to move on after. Like, it's not going to let you lose who you are just to frustrate yourself even more. Obviously, easier said than done. But in life, there will be many obstacles we face. But we have to do what's going to be best for us to keep us, well, us. Not to lose ourselves, not to turn us into an angry person or someone who's going to be mad or upset constantly. Like, we're going to do what we have to do to be us. We're going to do what's best for us. I feel that in today's society, this is more of an important message than any other message you could send out, especially with the generation of teenagers, as everyone is so adamant about fitting in. Like, it's almost a priority. Like, it's a social standard, which I don't think it should be because your friends, your family, the people around you should like you for you who you are. Which, in all today's times, can be hard when people don't accept certain things. But with everybody being adamant about fitting in with the people around them, they often change who they are or how they act just to fit in, but they typically end up losing who they truly are. In my own life, I had many occasions where I was in a place that I wanted to fit in. Especially in grade 9, where most people try and find their friend group because, you know, it's a new school. Like, you obviously have some friends, but this is a big year for you. you starting a new school, whole new system and everything. But in grade 9, I just moved from a small town, which also had a small school. Then I moved to Barrie, which is a massive town, and I moved to a massive school with over 1,200 students. And none of them I had ever really met before. I met two girls in at orientation day. They're really nice, but of course, they probably thought I was weird because I'm this new girl talking to them. They have their friend group. And that day I was obviously trying to fit in. I wasn't acting like myself because I needed to make friends in order to get through high school. You know, that's where the mindset I had. I met a group of kids in my neighborhood as well. They're really nice, but they're a little bit different than my old friends. I wanted to fit in really badly with them because I saw them as the 
you know, cool kids. I learned that the cool kids weren't my type of people. They weren't my group of friends, you know, they weren't the people who I could depend on. The girls I met on orientation day were. They took me under their wing, I had classes with one of the girls, and we became best friends. We're now a group of five, and we're inseparable. Like, we hang out all the time, you know? It really made my grade nine year worth it. But I obviously had to make that hard decision. Because I know I was in grade nine, I had to make the right decision to get myself in the right direction throughout the whole four years I was going to be in high school. I didn't want to be stuck in the wrong crowd. And I'm glad I didn't act like a different person because my friends like me for who I am, not who I try to be, which I feel like people need to learn, especially at a young age. Like, you know, my friends are going to accept me for who I am, not who they want me to be. And that's how you know they really truly are your friends. Staying true to yourself comes in all shapes and sizes. Like my story of grade nine trying to fit in is totally different than Aminata's story where she was taken from her home. And I feel like she had a few more obstacles to face, obviously. I mean, being taken by her home, being taken advantage of by men, losing your husband, losing your two kids who are your prized possessions. Like, it's a lot to not lose yourself in. It's a lot not to be changed. Like, she stuck with herself through it all. She never let go. She never let it overcome her. In the novel, a key point when Aminata stayed true to herself was when she was a young girl. On her first sleepboat, she would always say, I'm a freeborn Muslim. She would always say, I spoke Bamanamka and Fafolde, let everyone know where she'd come from and what kind of person she was, which I feel at the start of the book really showed how she was persevering. She didn't let the Tubabu men, the white men, all these people take advantage of her for who she was she was very determined to make sure everybody knew who she was she's very determined to stick with who she was and not let these people around her or the environment around her change her like i said earlier i feel as if this lesson is more prevalent to teens in today's society as there are so many different situations where you meet people and you want to fit in and often you lose your true self you wanted to be just like everybody else you know it's really hard to make that decision where I'm going to be myself because I want to be liked for who I am, not who everybody around me wants to be. Um, and, like, often when you lose yourself is because you just want to be like them. them. And in this case, your obstacle would be peer influence or the environment around you as you want to be just like them. And sometimes it's hard to be accepting of yourself and who you are. In 2014, the Asper team released an article about troubled teens and self-identity. In the article, the opening paragraph was a brief explanation of what goes on in a teen's life when they want to fit in. And this is what I said. I feel like it's really important for you guys all to hear. When a teen is developing their identity, they they are learning what makes them unique, while also feeling the need to fit in. For teens who feel excluded from others due to their cultural, ethnic, gender, or sexual identity. This process can lead to teens to be participating in harmful behavior. Now, this paragraph is a lot to take in, but I feel like it kind of gives you that basis. Like, you know, there's a lot of hard things, obstacles in life that you must face to feel that you can fit in, you know? On today's episode of On the Issues, I have a special guest star with me, Jordan Belfort. Jordan Belfort will be telling me about all the obstacles he's faced in his life, 
but has never lost himself when doing so. And now here's our guest star, Jordan Belfer. Hello, my name is Jordan Belfer. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Jordan, how are you? You know, just splendid to have her be on the podcast. Real big fan. Thanks. Uh, We're happy to have you here. So today we're talking about a lesson I learned after I read The Book of Negroes by Lawrence Hill. Really good book. I know, right? Very good book. And the lesson that I took out of it was, no matter what obstacles you face, stay true to yourself. And I know that you faced many obstacles when you were growing up. But what was your biggest obstacle that you faced? Yeah, you know, like I kind of had some obstacles growing up. Uh, The biggest one I faced is definitely anxiety and being homesick. And when did you start to experience your anxiety more than obviously your homesick? Because you just went to school this year, so that's obviously a big thing for you. But when did you first experience probably when you realized you had anxiety? Well, like I always tried to strive for perfection when I was younger. And I realized pretty soon once I got to high school, it's no one's perfect. You can't get 100% on every test. It's just physically impossible. No one can do it. But yeah, so that's kind of when the, my anxiety first started settling in. I thought I could be perfect because I flew by elementary school just easily. And then getting to high school, realizing that you're not going to be able to get these insanely high marks that you could do in elementary school. And just I had anxiety that I had to be perfect to um, appease everyone around me and then make my like life a little easier if I could just do well in school. I put way too much pressure on myself and got super anxious. I remember studying for tests where they'd be 20 multiple choice and I'd still spend about 20 hours studying for the test. Did I get 20 out of 20? I did. But still, I just made myself put way too much pressure on myself. It was not good for my body. And even that, not even just in school, but in golf especially, I'm down at school on a golf scholarship. And just in the sport of golf itself, anxiety is honestly your biggest enemy even that in your head you just think you're getting anxious anywhere on the golf course you're scared you're going to hit the ball badly you're going to hit the ball badly you just got to go out there with a positive attitude and just your anxiety your mental abilities can get the best of you and it's not really easy to kind of overcome it which is makes it so much harder and then going away to school this year 12 hours away from home the anxiety just went up even more anxiety to perform to be the best on the golf team i can be to be the best in school I could be, to get that 4.0 GPA, just all these stuff crashing over you, well being 12 hours away from parents, your siblings, your girlfriend, et cetera, all the people you have at home supporting you, there's not very many of them at school. I mean, there is, but not close, close family members. They're 12 hours away and you gotta realize you gotta deal with that anxiety no matter what. And do you ever feel that different environments or the people around you would make your anxiety worse depending on what was going on that day? Um, depending, like, especially sometimes before a big test, I would feel pretty confident. I knew I studied really hard, but I'd still be anxious. And then coming into class and hearing people say that they're super, super scared, or super, super worried about the test, say they talked to their friend who took it earlier in the day and they had a lot of trouble. It just makes me feel a lot more anxious and scared that, oh my goodness, did I study everything I need to know? That I do, I know everything. And then I just go back on my thinking and I start getting anxious. My heart rate goes up, starts sweating. And it's kind of the same with a golf course, especially before a big tournament. Like my school, we're pretty decent at golf. We play in the highest caliber division two tournaments in the country. And sometimes then over that first tee, you get super anxious and the things you can only think about is where 
the ball's going to go in the trees, the ball's going to go in the water. Not how the shot should be, which should just be down the fairway and not a stop in your mind. Just got to hit the shot and you got to be confident in your abilities and just don't let that anxiety get the best of you. But I've had the anxiety get the best of me in the classroom and on the golf course way too many times now. For sure. And how do you cope with your anxiety in a way that it doesn't cause you Obviously, you're still going to be anxious about a test and a tournament because they're big things, but how do you cope with your anxiety that you can overcome it and not let it be your worst enemy? It's easier said than done. But just a lot of it's just basically telling yourself that you can do this. You've studied. You know what you can do. As long as you're out there and try your best and give it your all, that's all people can ask you. You're not perfect. No one's perfect. You just got to go out there, whether it's in a test. You know you've studied for however long. Maybe you feel like you didn't study the, everything, but you studied the big concepts. As long as you tried your best and didn't slack off, then that's what you have to keep telling yourself because your anxiety will get to you regardless if you think you're confident or not. You just got to keep telling yourself, especially. Like for this year in golf, I was really, really worried. I mean, my, my second shot I hit in my college golf career, I hit it 10 feet in front of me. I was just so nervous. But what I did the night before, which I think calmed me down, was I took a piece of paper and inside of our little um, kind of back pocket, I don't know what you're going to call it, but like a notebook, like a little, yeah, a little notebook has like your name on it, your school, whatever. I wrote on a piece of paper and I wrote a bunch of these quotes down and it was just like, no one's perfect. Um, basically just commit to the shot. You know, if you try your best and do well and play your game, you're going to have no problem playing well. Um, just it's a you against the course. And just like stuff like that, just trying to boost yourself. So when if you have a bad shot or something, you're looking in that, you're reading those quotes and realizing that your anxiety shouldn't get the best to you and that no one's perfect. You just got to go out there and play the way you know you can because you're there for a reason. And that same with school. You're not going to get into schools when you're super scared and super worried about how you're going to do. You just got to do the best you can. And if you don't get into that school you want to, you at least you tried your best. I know it's not the easiest thing to look at a rejection letter or something like that. But you just got to try your best. You know that you've done all you could. And that's really just the way you got to take it. You got to tell yourself that you did the best you could. And you have to move on from it. And that's really the way it is, especially with golf and school. You have a bad test. Oh, well, you tried your best. You studied hard. School is not easy and neither is sports. You just got to make the most of it. Was there ever a point throughout obviously your time of growing up that you felt like your anxiety could have got the best of you like were you almost well in like the book of negroes like aminata never like lost herself after everything she'd been through like she lost family members she lost her kids she lost her home like she basically lost all sense of innocence in her childhood like but she never lost herself or her heritage like she was herself the whole entire time never like changed to be better for anybody else like do you feel like you at times in your life where it could have got the best of you, but you kind of sure. took no, it your own I way totally to. But yeah, there's tons of times where I think it's gotten the best of me. And I think a lot of it was even like golf and hockey when I was younger. I always thought I'd do appease everyone. I was super scared that if I messed up, then I would get yelled at or I'd get some in trouble. And I remember particularly, I think I was in summer of grade, going into grade seven. There's a tournament at this one golf course. And I like, I loved golf. It's a sport, a sport I love to play. And I just woke up that morning and I was just so anxious to play golf. 
that I cried for about five hours straight, telling my dad to not dig me to the golf course. Don't let me play in this tournament. I'm not ready. I don't want to go. And after hours of crying and him finally shutting me up and putting me into the car and driving there, I went out there and it was the most fun I ever had. And I thought my anxiety was going to get me away from the game I love. And even in hockey as well, playing a high-level hockey, you could easily kind of get down on yourself, especially with anxiety. Especially you have one bad shift, you're super scared that that one bad shift is going to affect the whole team or something's going to go wrong way. You take a bad penalty, stuff like that. Just, I think my anxiety got the best of me sometimes. I just got to stay true to myself because, yeah, I went through periods of golf where I couldn't go to a tournament without crying my eyes out or telling my dad to withdraw me from the tournament or doing stuff like that. But look where I am now. I'm playing Division Two golf for one of the best teams in the country, and I'm still playing the sport I love, so I'm still true to it from the day from I started till now. It seems like you've really come a long way with your anxiety and figured out how you can be its worst enemy and not let it affect you. Yeah, it is true. And I'm just in golf, just school in general. Like, I mean, I've had numerous tests. Even at school, I've called my parents freaking out saying, oh, I don't feel ready for this, but they just say the same thing every time. Did you study? Yes. Did you study as enough as you could? Yeah. Did you use your time effectively? Yes. All right, then you should be fine. Just go over those three or four yeses with whoever it is you want to talk to. It's just reassurance at that point because you know you can do it. There's no spent of you trying to procrastinate and cry and get upset over it because you did all you could. And you're going to succeed because that's what you do if you're studying, if you're making sure you're knowing the stuff. You're not going to do badly if you're going over stuff you know what to do. You're just going to make sure that your head doesn't get the best of you. And you know that you're smart. You know that you're here for a reason. You know you studied. You'll just do great. That's awesome. Thanks for joining us today, Jordan Buffer. It's awesome to hear how you've come so far and you've gotten yourself to a point where you can handle your anxiety and it's an obstacle that isn't going to change who you are. Yeah. I'm just happy that things are the way they are now and I'm able to get over to a lot of it. A lot of this changed from going to school and I've had to learn to deal with it a lot by myself. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you, Jordan. Have a great day. Will do. After listening to Jordan's story and how he persevered through so much in his life with the stress of academics, athletics, and, you know, striving for excellence, it's an awesome thing to have, but it can be quite sickening to your mind. But I realized his story is quite similar to Aminata's. It was just, you know, in different ways, whereas she faced adversity at such a young age. She was taken from her home, watched her parents be killed in front of her which is so sickening to think of then you have her being taken along as a slave trade worker you know working for grown men and being taken advantage of by them you know i know i'm kind of repetitive but it's kind of just sickening to hear what she went through but it's amazing to hear how she stuck with herself she never once let go of her Muslim or black heritage. She never once let go of her hometown languages because that is who she is. That's who she wanted people to know who she was. She wasn't going to change. Sure enough, she spoke English because she needed to learn because she wanted to be better for herself, you know, so she could get the information she needed for herself. She learned these different languages, but it was all for herself to get her back to her hometown where she never once thought I need to be different for this person or I need to be different from this guy to get what I want. She was herself. She was herself when she was married. 
She was herself when she had her kids. She was herself when she was taken advantage of at such a young age by a grown man. She never once lost herself. And it's pretty amazing to think that that's a true story. I mean, not this story is a true story of what she went through. And to never lose who you are, especially when she was taken at a young age. She hardly knew who she was. Like, to keep that with you is just amazing to me. And I think that Aminata's story could teach a lot to a lot of people, especially kids my age, and how self-identity is such a big thing to be able to learn in yourself and to be accepting of yourself is the biggest step to be true to yourself. And thank you for listening to today's podcast of On the Issue. We'll be back next week with a new episode. I hope you enjoyed our guest star today and the lesson that I've learned recently in reading the Book of Negroes by Lawrence Hill. I hope you read it. It's an amazing read. And thanks for joining us today. See ya.